Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Amen. Let, let, let me put uh, our core value card up. I've been doing this um, here over the last few weeks. I just want to draw your attention. Um, these are some things that we, we value. Every once in a while, I'll just mention uh, one of these. And I know I mentioned this a lot, but growing. Everybody say growing. Uh, one thing we value is that we just are learning to live a life of faith together. Isn't that what it's about? Learning to live a life of faith. And faith isn't just to receive. Faith isn't just to achieve or obtain. And, and, and faith isn't just uh, to get. But how many know that we, we need to have the same amount of faith to give, to bless, to encourage? And let me, let me put it in a word, to influence. So we started this series last week. And our series, uh, we're, we're calling this the in crowd. How, how many of you have ever wanted to be in the in crowd before? Say, well, what's the in crowd? Well, I looked that up for you. It, the in crowd is this. It's a smaller group that is within a larger group that's influential. Everyone say influential. So a lot of people think that you gain influence by prestige. Sometimes it's popularity. Sometimes it's if someone has some resources that, that gives them influence. Well, let's look at it this way. It's not about those things, but uh, in the body of Christ or in the kingdom of God or in, in the church that we're in, being in the in crowds, not those things, but it's those who are really intentional about being influential. You say, well, well what do you mean by influential? Well, the word influence just means this, that you have the capacity to be a persuading force on the beliefs and the behaviors of other people. You, you actually have this great capacity to be an influence on the behaviors and the beliefs of other people. How, how many know some people that their behavior and their beliefs need influenced? And so we get really good sometimes at just um, complaining, being critical, pointing the finger. Why are they like this? Why do I have to be around them? And I want you to know why you're around them, because God put you around them to be an influence. Well, I don't like these people I work with. I don't like my boss. I don't like my neighbors. Why do you think you're around them? Like, well, it's bad luck. No, it's not bad luck. It's, it's God. <laughs> How many believe God does things by order, by intention? Well, it could be, and I would say it, it, it is, that God's put you around some people in some places and some opportunities and some circumstances because what God wants to do is take your life and wring out the sponge and you influence them with the good things of God that we just sang about. We're not to be old, you know, big fat sponges who never let God squeeze the influence out of our lives. And so in this series, what I'm wanting to do is just encourage you that all of us as believers are called to influence, but we have a great capacity to influence, but you can do it. You, you, you can really be a great influence because I think the enemy people, our brains sometimes talk us out of the... Uh, talk us out of knowing that we can really influence people. So I read this the other day. They say that, and I think it's higher than this, but 40%, you spend 40% of your time influencing people. Almost half of your time you spend influencing other people. Now, if you're in a leadership position, it's probably higher than that. Actually, they say if you're in sales, it's a lot higher than that. But we spend almost half our time 
influencing people. And what I would like to do in this series is just encourage you, all of us, to just be a lot more intentional about the opportunities that we have to influence people. Because we're in an hour, we're in a day, we're in a season where people are challenged and their hearts are very open to spiritual things right now. How how, how many would agree with that? They're they're, they're open. The enemy doesn't want you to think that, but they're open. They are, you know, Jesus said he looked at the harvest field and he wasn't like, these people are crazy. He looked and said, "Um, they're ripe for harvest. And actually Jesus said this. He said, "Um, they're like people without a pastor. They're like people without a shepherd in their lives. And so um, what, what he was saying is we, we need to be an influence on them so they can experience the same goodness that you have experienced. I, I want to put this up on the screen talking about influence. It's just a, a, a little quote that I, that I put together. Influence doesn't happen all at once. It's a what? It's a process. It's the product of creating trust through relationship and reputation. It's persuasive conversation that helps other people understand and solve their problems. So it's a process of you creating trust through relationship and reputation through your conversation. You're going to help people understand and solve their problems. I want you to just to think about that. People have some problems. How many agree with that? Right. Have you all noticed that? Have you been to a store and just been like, man, thank God for God? I mean, just thank God you know God. And just you look at some of the challenges that people are going through, some of the lostness, some of the condition that people uh, have found themselves in. And, you, you, you know, they need help. And, and guess who? Have you ever just looked around and thought, man, people need God? Let's just be real. Have you ever been somewhere like, that person needs Jesus? I can just tell. Well, how do you think those people get to know Jesus? How do you think those people are influenced? How do you think those people find the help that they need? Guess what? Look around this room because it's you and me. Are you all with me? Okay, I feel the enthusiasm, so let's just keep going here. Last week, we looked at this scripture. This is Mark chapter 16. There are two verses here. And this is Jesus talking. And Jesus said, go into the world and go everywhere and announce the message of God's, what kind of news is it? It's good news to one and all. And whoever believes and is baptized, they're going to be saved. Whoever refuses, they'll by their own actions damn themselves. But the first thing Jesus says is, is Go. I mean, you know, sometimes we're not real good at going. We're, we're, we're real good at sitting, and we're, we're, really, we're really good at taking in, but Jesus said go. Now, this was news. This was new because up until this point, Jewish people, the whole Old Testament was about them as a people. Now we're seeing the church arrive, and we're seeing Jesus on the scene, and and now Jewish people that are being born again, they're reaching a Gentile audience. And now it's all different because Jesus said, go. Before they didn't go, they would just receive. They were just God's people. But now, because grace and mercy and salvation had come, now the message had shifted. And, and he said, go into all the world. 
Now, a lot of times we read that, and I'll be honest, I used to think, well, what's that mean? That means I have to go in the mission field, I have to go to, you know, Africa somewhere. But really what it means is you go into your world, your sphere. If you're called to go to Africa, great. You, you'll have a desire to go to Africa. You'll have a desire to be a missionary. But, but for most of you, your world is your sphere where you have influence. That's the neighborhood you live in. That's the place you work at. That's the, that's the place where you, you, you do your business. That's the market world. That, that's, that's what Jesus is saying is go into that world and have influence. He actually says, go announce the good news. Uh, the, the word announce there is, is from this Greek word that really means this, that the king had a, a hired position that was a very privileged position. He would hire a person who would go to the people and announce the exact details of the will of the king. And it was a prestigious position because they had to trust this person to relay messages on policies and they would give them the exact account. And so that's what this word is. Jesus is entrusting you and I to go be an exact uh, rep, uh, repu, uh, representative to the sphere that you find yourself in, to the marketplace that you find yourself in, to the neighborhood, to the street that you live on, to the people that you're around, to the people that you cross paths with. He is saying, that's your sphere, that's your world. Go into that world and don't just exist day by day. How's it going? No, another day, another dollar. He's saying, go into that sphere and that's your opportunity of what? Influence. And I know this as believers, we, we all want to be influential for the kingdom. We all want to reach people. We all want to help people. We all have a, a, a good intention. But I, I'm wanting to, in these few weeks, just to challenge you to take it from good intentions into good action. And so this morning, I, I, last weekend, we, we talked about the power of influence, and we said this, that when Jesus was on the earth, the Bible says he was the light of the world. Now, guess who the light of the world is? It's us, because he lives in you. So now we're the light of the world. And how we live and how well we live, how good our lifestyle is, gives us leverage with people. So it's real important when you see the word light in the Bible, it's talking about actions. So let's jump into part two, and we'll wrap this up next week. So I want to talk this morning about um, the capacity of an invitation, the capacity of an invitation. And let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We read this verse last week. I want to read a portion of this. Everybody, so let's go. Yeah. All right, let's jump into it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I, I love the way this is worded. Let me tell you why you're here. How many have ever asked that question? God, why am I here? Well, Jesus is telling you, this is why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of this earth. I've just answered the age-old question that you've lost sleep over. Why are you here? You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavor of this earth. But if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you're going to end up in the garbage. 
Isn't that a, that's a cool translation of that verse. It's saying that we're, we're, the, we're the salt of the earth is what most translations say. And the way it's written, it's written in an, in an emphatic tense, which we could look at it this way. He's not saying you represent the gospel. You represent salt. You represent good things. He says you are the salt. Not you represent, you it. If Jesus is going to make an appeal to the world around us right now, you it. And I love that, that one line of, of that scripture. And it says, if you lose your saltiness, how are they going to taste godliness? If you've lost your influence, if you've discarded your influence, if you're not concerned about your influence, how will they be influenced? How will they know there's help? How will they know there's hope? So when you see the word salt in the Bible, just when you see light, it's your actions. Whenever you see the word salt, it's talking about your words. So let's make some points, right? Point number one is your language gives you leverage. Your language gives you leverage. We're talking about being influential, in particular, for the kingdom of God. We looked last week, your, your lifestyle gives you leverage, but guess what? Your language gives you what? Gives you leverage, gives you usefulness, gives you advantage. Colossians chapter 4, this is, these are two good verses here. Um, look at this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. So how should we live in the world right now? With wisdom. So be wise and make the most of your what? Of your opportunity. Let your conversation, your language, your words always be full of what? Okay, look, can we just stop there? Your language should always be full of what? What's grace? It's the goodness of God. It's the favor of God, right? So our language, our conversation... If we're going to make the most of our opportunities and live with wisdom, our words should be packed with what? Grace about the goodness of God and let it be seasoned with what? Salt. It's, this is about our language, our words. So you'll know how you can always give someone what? An answer. Remember the quote I put up on the screen earlier that it's a process and we help people uh, uh, find their answers with our conversation, with our words. Have you ever been around someone who didn't know what they were talking about? No, I don't, not this morning, but you just, you, you, everybody's thinking of that person who just walks in and they just, or they just, and you know, especially if it's like a subject that you know a lot about, like there's stuff I don't know about, but when there's stuff I know about and someone's just, well, and they don't know what to talking about, I'm not listening to them. Like, we have some good people to go to church here, and they're Baltimore Raven fans. <laughs> they start talking. I'm like, uh, remember Peanuts, that voice? Wah, 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 wah. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm like, <laughs> all I can say is six trophies, six rings. That's, I, I, you know, I lived south of Cleveland for a while. My, my friends in Cleveland are always talking at the beginning of the season, they, 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 you know, they sign all these free agents, they do all this stuff, and they start chirping. And my wife's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, give it like six weeks, six games. I let it roll, and then it's the Browns. 
and I just start chirping back. About six weeks in, I'm like, this is what I always text back. It's the Browns. Now that I've offended half of our crowd, just want you to know I'm playing around a little bit. But what if, what if when it comes to hope and forgiveness and redemption, we might know a little bit about what we're talking about. Because we were messed up and jacked up, but we found somebody who saved us, rescued us, redeemed us, and has blessed us. We may not be able to quote every scripture in the Bible, but what we do know is we've been changed. So salt represents your words. Actually, one of the worst battles in Civil War history was fought in Saltville, Virginia. And guess what it was fought over? Salt. Actually, more, more battles or wars have been fought over salt than gold. They actually used to pay you in salt. Roman armies were paid in salt. They were called salt salariums. That's where the word salary came from. And so salt was very important. And it's important today, but it was even so much more essential in, in, in history. And so when we talk about salt, we're talking about your your words. So I want to put a screen up for you because last week I talked about attributes of light. I want to talk about some attributes of salt. First of all, salt adds what? Flavor. Now I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big salt person. Any salters in here? My wife, I'm like, you want some fries with that salt? I mean, it's just like, but salt is a seasoning. And we just read that in scripture, but salt adds flavor. Salt um, spices things up. It adds flavor to things. What if I said that you're what adds flavor to this world? Your words are seasoning. Your words add flavor to a really, really, really dry, demoralizing, challenging world that we live in. You're the salt. And the reason why people put salt on things, because it, it either tastes bad, it tastes bland, and you add some salt to spice it up. Just think about this. If you weren't here, if you weren't in your sphere of influence, if you're not expressing grace, guess what, man? The, the world is, is decaying fastly, and it, it needs some seasoning. Here's something about salt. makes you what? Thirsty. Why do you think they sell you popcorn at the movies? So you'll spend $8 on the small Coke. That's why. You go to a restaurant, what do they bring out and put on your table? Chips. So you'll spend $5 on the soda. Why is it? Salt makes you thirsty. What about your conversation and your influence and your language makes people thirsty for more? People want to hear, tell me a little bit more about What's changing your life? Tell me why you have hope right now. Tell, tell me why you're confident. Tell me why you have more courage. Tell me why your life is more blessed than the rest of the world right now. That's your influence. That's your opportunity. So salt adds flavor. Salt also preserves. You know, back in the day, Israel was a very hot climate. They didn't have refrigerators. And so they would put salt on the meat and it was a preservative. The words we use, the language we share, the conversations we have, the influence we have is a preservative. It keeps this world from decaying even more than it is right now. 
Well, pastor, I just look out there and I call it like I see them. It is what it is. Hmm. What if it is how God says it is? But the only way that gets said is you open your yapper and say what God says. That's the only way salt gets sprinkled. That's the only way salt is a preservative. How about this? Salt heals. Salt's actually an antiseptic. And it was used for medical purposes. It could stop uh, infection. It could speed up the healing process. It could stop bleeding from happening. It could sterilize an unsterile environment. Hello, are you getting the picture? He's saying, let everything you say be seasoned with the grace of God. Let it be seasoned with the gospel. Let it be seasoned with hope. You know, that's all God's asking you to do in your environment. Uh, How many have ever been somewhere? Let me ask this the other way. How many have ever unscrewed the lid of the salt? Okay, ladies, we know you have it. How many guys? you, You Remember you did that at lunch at school or at summer camp? You're like, you thought when you were like 12, you thought it was the greatest prank ever. So what happens? Someone comes in, they dump the No one wants salt dumped. You do what? You sprinkle salt. You sprinkle. I'm just, I'm here today to do what? Sprinkle some salt. I'm around these people. Why? To sprinkle some salt. I'm around this coworker. Why? To sprinkle some salt. I live on this street. Why? To sprinkle some salt. Salt. Salt also, they considered it to be protective. They, they actually did this when babies were born. They would put salt on them. They would put salt on the doorpost because they lived in a very pagan culture and they believed it kept away demonic forces. I'll just let you know that doesn't work, but it's the idea of your words is what sets people free. Your words are what delivers people. Your words are what brings light and victory to the world around you. And lastly, salt fertilizes. Um, It it has a direct correlation on the quality of crops that come forth. You know, the the crops in your life, the harvest in your life has everything to do with what? Your words. If you remembered that every morning, how many, how many know your, 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 the monitor of what you say would be totally different. If you knew that every word that came out of your mouth that day had a direct connection to what was going to happen in your life, how many would be like, yeah, I'd be watching what I said. I'd be saying some things differently. Well, it's true whether you have a monitor or not, because the Bible says you're snared by your what? Conversation, your words. So the, these are some attributes of your words. Point to all of that is when Jesus says that your words need to be seasoned with grace, what he's saying is you have a great opportunity and I believe responsibility to influence the, word, the world around you. And we as Christians, we want to influence the world. Sometimes we just don't know how. So I'm sharing this, in this series how you do it. It's how I live my light, and it's the words I say. I would go as far as to say it this way, that your conversation in the doctor's office ought to be different than everyone else in that little room. Your, your conversation in the office ought to be a little bit different than everyone else's. Your, your conversation at school ought to be a little bit different than everyone else's. Why? Because you, you speak grace. You're just going to, you're there to add some salt. Why am I in this job? Lord, get me out of here. He's not going to get you out of here until your job's done. And you might be stuck there until you get your conversation rearranged. Moving right along. So can you see how your language gives you leverage with people? All right, let's take this to the next level. So your language gives you leverage and your leverage links you to location. 
your language links you to location. Here's what that means. You know, if you're around somebody today, you go to a restaurant, you interact with someone at the marketplace, how many of you can tell when their language is different than yours? When their dialect is different? And the first thing you think is, I wonder where they're from. Maybe you're at the marketplace, this is really common now, and you hear someone talking and they're speaking in Spanish. Do you ever wonder, wonder where they're from? And you're thinking, somewhere in Latin America, Mexico? You're not thinking, I bet they're Chinese. You're thinking, where are they from? My, my, my family freaks out. We love to go to Mexican restaurants. Um, I've been to a lot of places, Central America, Latin America, Mexico, and, and um, so I have, a, you ever look for some conversation, you know, some leverage? I, I just wait for the waiter, and I'm like, so where are you from? And, and they'll tell me. Sometimes I'm like, I never heard of that place. But sometimes they'll say somewhere, and I've been there, so I'm thinking now we're, we got some conversation. And my kids are like, you are so embarrassing, Dad. I'm at that age now where it's one of my gifts. I embarrass people <laughs> that are with me. So if you ever want to hang out, just, I'm just warning you. So, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to throw my... So I'll say something, you know, kind of get some interest in, in, and then they're like, oh, do you speak Spanish? Un poquito. You can go home and use that at the Mexico. It just means a little bit. So they say something in Spanish, and I'm like, I have no idea what, what they're saying. <laughs> I have one line I've memorized. I, I actually took Spanish in college, got straight A's. This is no lie, but the teacher was Korean. <laughs> this is a true story. I couldn't understand Spanish because I couldn't understand Korean. <laughs> so I just studied the words, memorized them, right? So um, what am I saying? What am I talking about? Somebody help me. What am I talking about? Oh, yeah, one line. Somos cristianos de los Estados Unidos. We are Christians from the United States. <laughs> I memorized that from a mission trip. That's all the Spanish I can remember. But where am I going with this story? Oh, so... But you hear someone, not me, but you're like, I wonder where they're from. Why? Because their language is just different. It'll locate them. So, so I went to, to college. Um, where, where I graduated from was outside Philadelphia, so it's the Northeast. And when I went there, a friend of mine from here went with me. And the first thing they asked was, how far south are you from? Because our dialect, our... Uh, our, um, our dialect was different because theirs was all Northeastern. They talked really fast and really abrupt. And I was like, I, I can't hang with it. You're talking really fast. And to us, they're like, you are talking really slow and you're slurring words. Not pretty. It was like a different language. Now, you don't notice it when you're here, but you go somewhere else and people will say, where are you from? I know we're the southernmost northern state and we're the northernmost southern state. You go a little bit 30 miles down the road from here and how, how many know the dialect gets more southern? So what does it do? What does it do? It locates you. Where are you from? I wonder if people by our dialect and our language could locate us. I wonder if they could say, when they hear us talk, where are you from? Almost like we have a different citizenship or you and I have a different, we have a different dialect because I hope your dialect is infused with hope, love, grace, goodness, blessing, 
redemption. I hope it's, I hope it's affected by the gospel. I, I'm just a firm believer that you shouldn't sound like them. You shouldn't talk like them. You should have a different dialect. I, and I hope just being a part of LifePoint that you even have a different dialect than other religions, other, even some other churches. Because some places it's just religious. I hope there's a lot of faith in your dialect. I hope there's a lot of grace in your dialect. Come on, I hope there's a lot of freedom in your dialect. I hope there's a whole lot of the Holy Spirit in Jesus in your dialect. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let, 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 me, let, let me read you another scripture here. Because you know, in other countries, salt isn't as pure as it is here. It's mixed with a lot of other stuff. And so when salt started going bad, they would say it's losing its saltiness. And it, the only thing it was good for was to throw out into the potholes of the street. I hope our influence never gets as wasteful as just to be thrown out into the potholes. Let me read you a scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says this. Let no corrupt conversation come out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying that it would minister what? Grace to its hearers. What happens if our conversation becomes corrupted? Then it's good for nothing but the potholes. We've lost our influence. Are y'all with me this morning? And when you see the word corrupt conversation, it can mean several things. Really what it means is anything that opposes what God says. If you are disagreeing with your words with what God actually says, you are nullifying faith. And you could nullify your testimony. So we've all agreed on this, that the world's a little messed up right now, right? The world's a little hopeless. Uh, it's a lot hopeless. So when you agree with them, guess what you're doing? You're nullifying your testimony, your influence, and you're nullifying faith. And there are other things on that list. How about things like this? Don't look around, right? Gossip. Obscene language, anger, all those things are a part of that list. But the main thing is our words can nullify our influence. So what the Bible says we should do is we should be what? Always full of edification, speaking grace. Here's what that looks like. Encouraging. How many love to be around encouraging people? They're like a magnet. And if they're in your office, then guess what? People are drawn to them. If they're on your street, people are drawn to them. Our conversation, we love to be around, we love to be around encouraging people. Can I just give you a word from God? Be that person. Just be encouraging. People that are encouraging, people that are grateful, people that are, they give direction, people that give guidance, people that give, you can do it, that give support. You got this. Um, can I pray for you? People that are upbeat, people that are positive, people that are comforting. My wife is so good at being comforting and encouraging. I'll tell you another story. So we, we um, you know, she just went through this whole surgery thing. So she's, she's back to walking better now. So the other day it was nice. And she's like, do you want to walk? I'm like, all right. So we're walking down our, our road and up around the, the turn. And, and uh, w w this is something we do almost every day. And we always go by this one house, and for a while there was 
a, um, like a wheelchair ramp, a disability ramp that they put up that came off their house. And we saw this gentleman, he had some oxygen on, and they, they had this dog, and this dog runs out to me every time. It's a bulldog. I didn't know bulldogs had any energy, right? But this dog, he just runs to me, he's, blah, blah, blah. he's awesome. So he runs out, and we got a pet, and we'll talk to him. And so because of the weather and Diane, you know, having surgery, we, we haven't made this trek for a while. And the other day we go walking by and this whole disability ramp is off the front of the house. And I noticed, well, that's weird that that ramp's gone. And the first thing she said was, I hope everybody's okay. Do you think the gentleman is still living? I'm like, God, they probably just moved the ramp. It's good. You know, I'm moving on because I'm walking. (laughs) And all of a sudden the lady comes out chasing her little dog and, hey, how you doing? And she says, I just lost my husband what was it, two or three weeks, last month. I freeze in that moment. I'm like, ah, like, what do I say? What do I do? What does she do? She starts crying right there in the middle of the street. She's crying. She goes up, can I hug you? So they have this big hug fest. I'm like, hi, dog. How you doing? (laughs) I didn't know what to say, but she was so comforting at that moment. I know, don't hang around me. Hang around her. But she just brought comfort. I couldn't help but think that we are in the right place at the right time. Isn't that what the Bible says about us? He leads our steps. He directs us. He guides us. Don't lose your saltiness, because if you do, how will they hear about godliness? All right. Isn't this good? Isn't this good? So your language gives you leverage. Your leverage gives you location. Last point. Your location leads to an invitation. Leads to an invitation. So what I want you to do is I want you to get really good about being intentional about your light, about your language. Remember I said it's a process. Don't go to work tomorrow, take the lid off the salt and be like, because that's how some Christians are. They get fired up after a service and they're like, I'm going to save the whole office in the next hour. Then you're just anointing. You're not, you're, you're, you're annoying. You're not anointed, Right. But I want you to think about, there, there are people around you, and guess who God's calling you, calling you to reach them? With your language, with your light. Luke chapter 14. The master told his servants this. Go out to the roads and the country lanes. This is written about West Virginia. (laughs) Country roads, right? You didn't know that? We're going to do that as a worship song. (laughs) Go out to the roads and to the country lanes and compel. Everyone say compel. Compel them to come in so my house will be what? Full. Go compel them. The word compel is an interesting word. It means an urgent invitation. Urgent invitation. Go compel them. I thought these statistics were a little bit challenging. Do you know that most people say they would go to church if they were invited? Actually, seven out of ten people who don't go to church said they've never actually been invited to go to church. Actually, 82% of them said, if someone asked, I'd go. 
but only 2% of people who go to church invited them. So 82% say they would go, but 98% don't invite them. If you're an accountant, you could probably figure up that percentage. It's just not real good. Listen to this statement. I'll, I'll put this in my notes. If you invite someone, they might come and meet Jesus. If you don't, they won't. If you invited someone, they might just come and meet Jesus. Even if they already know Jesus, they might discover a whole a Jesus on a whole different level. They might just discover because of you, um, God is actually not mad at them. They actually might discover that God has a destiny for them, a plan for them. They might just discover that God wants to bless them. God, God might, they might just discover that God wants to take them to a whole different level than somebody or some church has ever told them they could go or be at. If we do a good job with our language, it gives us good leverage. That leverage locates us. What's in our dialect? But what does it do? It really opens the door for us to invite them to God's house. And he says he wants his house what? Full. Wants his house full. Wants his house full. This is what I believe. I believe there are some good churches in our community, and God wants those good, Bible-believing, truth-filled churches full. Because God's doing something. God is doing something. How many know the enemy's like crazy right now? You know why? Because if he can't stop God, he tries to counterfeit, he tries to distract, he tries to, to, to distort. How many know he can't? He can't with truth-filled, grace-filled, faith-filled, Holy Spirit-filled people who say, let the devil be the devil, but let God be God. Let God be God through me. Amen? Amen. I- I'm going to invite someone up here. This is, this is Cliff. Everybody say, what's up, Cliff? <laughs> Last weekend, I brought my wife up here, and, and she got a chance to just share with you how someone invited her to church. And so... Just a, a few times over the last few weeks, um, I've just got to know Cliff a, a, a little bit better, just had some cool conversations. And y'all don't know this, but you drive like seven hours every Sunday, right? Drive about an hour. Okay, about an hour. <laughs> Dramatic effect, right? So, no, I know, he, he drives all the way from Parsons. Parsons every Sunday to be here. So, you know, when it snows a little bit... So you know when it snows a little bit and you're like, I can't get to church, it's snowing. Dude drives through like the Arctic to get here. <laughs> and he's here on Sundays, he's here on, I mean, he's just, I'm being funny with you, but I think that says a lot. So just, just um, I guess I wanted to just ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Um, you've been in church before, so it wasn't like you, you weren't a believer, sure. but, but you got an invitation to be here at LifePoint. Maybe tell us just like about that invitation, like when you came in, you were telling me you just knew something was different and maybe just let you share that. Yeah, I'll do my best not to choke up because it's, this place has changed my life. Uh, besides my wife, my best friend in the world, 
Jr. Help me, you probably know him. He invited me, and he's kind of like the Holy Spirit himself. He's not real pushy. He just dropped it. And, and I, we'd been to a lot of churches, nice people, things, you know, but it just inside you know that, and I've been a Christian for many years, seeking after God, you know, I, I read the word, I pray, I listen to all these the teachers and things and, and all that stuff, but I always would say, Lord, you know, I wish I could be a part of, I'd see like Stephen Furtick's church or different ministers and, and just say, boy, I would love to be a part of something like that. And our area just didn't have it. And so we'd, we'd been to churches and, and you kind of, you know, like an old cow, you chew the grass and spit out the sticks and um, <laughs> you know, and you would just say, it's alright, you know and, yeah. and so Junior, he invited me and, and Teresa and I came and he said, I'll just warn you, you know, you're going to start driving a lot because once you come here you're going to be hooked and uh, the first Sunday we were here in a praise and worship and she looked at me, I looked at her and I said this is it, this is it and it's not because of a program, it's not because of things that buildings or whatever, there's there's a difference here. And I watched the pastors when they come out of that side door there. And I knew I said, these people understand they're protecting something. They're protecting the anointing of God. They're not being distracted by everything around them. They're doing that for the people of the church. And when I came, we made up our mind we're not getting involved. We're going to sit and get fat and eat and go home, but I'm not getting involved. And it's God's gentle, and he pushes, massages your heart. And we eventually took the classes to get involved here and everything, and this is not a typical place, I'm telling you. It's not. You, 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 you've maybe been here a long time. Go out there. This is not typical, I'm telling you that we have pastors here that take the time that love us. I can see the love of God in their, in, in, in their eyes and just the things they do. I can witness in my spirit there is a difference here. And I'm not saying I'm not a paid endorser or anything like that. I'm just telling you there is a difference here. Don't be complacent. I'm telling you. This is this is atypical and the things that they're doing have unlocked things in me that for years I studied the word all the time I, I, you know Junior and I would talk about this how we spend time in the word spend time meditating praying, praying in the spirit these things and there was always like you just I just wasn't I was getting a little revelation trickles here and trickles there and I used to do this with the Lord I would say you know, I used to go to NASCAR races. I was like, Lord, if anybody goes to NASCAR races, they know what I'm talking about. It's like the car's on top of the track. I'm not getting in there deep. And when those guys would get that car hooked up, they'd say it's like we're in the track. I'm in the track now. The revelation that God has given me from his word and things by being under the, the covering of this church and the pastors, just things have opened up, things we've seen, miracles in our lives, Money's coming in out of the blue, things happening. It, we're in the right place. 
We are. I wanted him to share about that part because um, sometimes we can get used to coming every Sunday and sitting and, and hearing things and, and just to keep in mind that God's doing something unique and special in this house. And you had just sort of shared the other day that um, you just sensed some good things happening and coming. And maybe I'll let you just emphasize that for a moment. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about this that right after we come here, I kept hearing that in my spirit. When I walk in here in the praise and worship and all these things going on, the power is present to heal, to heal them all. The Sadducees and the Pharisees sat there and all this power was around and nobody was getting anything but the ones that were expecting. And I'm telling you, by holding our pastors and saying, you know, you're my pastor. And I put myself under your covering and I believe that they are speaking God's word and that the things they are speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn out of you like a sponge. I've made my mind I'm going to do that. God has opened up things in his word and I'd rather have a, a revelation from God than anything else in the world changes our lives. But these pastors they have a love that I've never experienced from pastors before. I just see it and I sense it, how they care about us as people and they want us to tap into the greater things of God. There's deep things in Pastor Aaron and I'm going to draw the deep things out of him and then in turn he's going to unlock the deep things in me and we're going to work together as a body and we're going to see great things as a body. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you. Thank you. The reason why I wanted um, Cliff to just share a couple of things there is, you know, we're not the only church in the community, but God's doing something significant. He's about to do even greater significant things. And it, there are people around you that I believe God wants in on that. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I wanted him to, to, to share that this morning. And... Why don't we stand to, to our feet? I'll give you that 20 later for all those good things you said. I'll give you two 20s. That was pretty good. And I mentioned this earlier, but Jesus said he saw the crowds and they were like people without a pastor. Now, I'm not talking about me. They were people without a covering. They were, they were sheep that were... And so what I want to challenge you to do is let's fill this place up more than once. And let's see God do what God wants to do that will affect our region, our community. And guess what? We, we want those things. We want revival. We want those things. But guess where? It happens through us. It absolutely happens through us. Now, when you all came in this morning, you received some cards. And those are Easter invitations. And I know winter has just arrived this morning, but spring comes next week. But Easter, Easter is, is coming up. And so here's my challenge this morning. Last week I said, I just want you to think about who, who God's put you around that you're an influence to. But I want you to think about this this morning. Who, who around you does God maybe want to bring here to be a part of things like, like Cliff just mentioned? And so we want to give you this challenge. We gave you three cards for three reasons. 
we want you to invite three people each. And maybe all three will come. Maybe one will just come. But, we, but here's how we want you to think about this. Um, who's the neighbor or the person on your street or the person that lives around you that you, you, you could invite? But here's what I'm saying. These are not made to go to the mall and put under windshield wipers. That doesn't work. And I know someone's going to stick one under mine because every time we do this, someone sticks one under my windshield wiper. <laughs> because that's an easy way of just throwing a card out there. But I'm talking, who, who's in your sphere around you in your neighborhood? Here's a second person. Who's that friend or relative? Who's that friend or relative? You're like, well, I don't want my relatives in church. Not, who's that friend or relative? And lastly, who's that coworker? Who's on your street? Who's the friend or relative? Who's that coworker? that you could invite. And so we're going to do a worship song here. I'll, I'll be back up in a moment. But I want you, as we do this worship song, just, God, show me those three people. Just show me those three people. Now, here's what we're doing for um, Easter. We're going to do things uh, a, a little different for, for Easter this year. Um, first of all, that it comes the first week of April, and we usually have first Wednesday. So we're not having first Wednesday. We're actually doing a Good Friday service at 5.30, and then on Easter, on Easter, we're doing two services, one at 9 and one at 11. So here's, here's why I, I share all that. That's, we're, the 1st of April, we're going to start a series called History, His Story. We're going to do Palm Sunday. We're going to talk about Jesus entering Jerusalem. Um, we're going to talk about the cross on Good Friday. We're going to talk about resurrection on Easter Sunday. And the next week, I'm going to talk about Jesus coming back. So it's his entry, his cross, his resurrection, and his return. What I'm saying is get someone in church with you for a few weeks. Let them hear because I, I believe that history is all about his story. Amen? And so that's just a tool for you to invite some people out, and we'll tell you more about those dates. And, and so we're, we're, we're going to go to a worship song. We're actually going to sing uh, what we sang earlier about the goodness of God, and as we sing it, this time, I want you just to think about, man, who, God, who are you putting on my heart to invite? Your job is just to invite. Actually, I'd say it this way. Be a bringer, not just an inviter. And you think, well, you know, all my friends are saved. Well, you got like a few weeks to meet some new friends. Well, that's just for, because here's what usually happens. You know that a small amount of people do all the inviting, but what if we all just stepped out of our comfort zone and just say, God, use me to invite somebody. Somebody in, in your sphere, in your zone. As we worship, can we just think about that? Did y'all get something good this morning? Yeah.